This is Women's Tech Radio, a show on the Jupiter Broadcasting Network interviewing interesting women in technology, exploring their roles and how they're successful in technology careers. All right, Paige, I want to talk about credibility barriers. Mm. And I know there's there's quite a few of them, but the one that I want to spotlight for me is it actually happened on Tech Talk today. Chris and I were talking about a Microsoft story and it was like, you know, an unbelievable one. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And, you know, internet trolls, they go on the YouTube video and they, they start talking about how uh, I was just taking the stance of my husband because, you know, how could I possibly have an opinion about Microsoft that's my own? And it was so infuriating. And I know that trolls shouldn't really bother me, but it, it's, it's just, it is an example of kind of why we do the show, you know, like we do technology too. It, it, we are allowed to have our opinions about products and I'm a Mac, you know, so, but I've worked on windows, so it's not like I don't know it. So anyway, do you have one? No, yeah, I totally understand. I mean, I, I've been, you know, my story is, is very similar to a lot of our guests. I'm not traditionally trained as a computer developer, but I have a lot of experience. I work on Windows, Unix, Linux, Mac, whatever. But, um, you know, being in a lot of those situations where it's, it's questioned like, well, you don't have formal schooling for this. You must not know. Right. Or like all that stuff. And, and uh, I, but I think for me, like the credibility barrier has been the biggest barrier for me has been internal. Like that, especially right now in my career where I'm really transitioning into like a team lead and real full developer roles and everything. And I, I'm sitting there saying to myself, oh, well, I don't have the degree. I didn't graduate from one of these fancy boot camps. I don't have any of that. And like, it's that imposter syndrome is really, yeah. like, that internal stuff is like, I'm, I'm used to it with the guys. You know, I've been, I worked in a garage. I worked in construction. Like, I don't care. Like, yeah. you can you can think whatever you want about my credibility. It's what I think that matters. And right now I'm getting in my own way. And I think that's a almost the worst. Mm-hmm. Yep. Totally understand. Yeah. And I think our guest today would agree with some of that. Like she definitely has got a lot of confidence in what she's doing and has a non-traditional path. And like just hearing all of that from her is, is super inspiring for me. And I hope it is for the audience too. So today uh, we were joined by Karen. Um, she is a UX designer at um, Stateless Networks. And she talks about becoming a UX designer and kind of that path for her and what it's like to work in a technical field as a, an awesome, creative, multi-talented individual. Yep. And before we get into the interview, I want to mention that Women's Tech Radio will be at Linux Fest Northwest at the end of April. And I'll be there. Yes. We are currently running a campaign, a t-shirt campaign to fund flying some people in and also you know, for us to be there. And you can go to teespring.com forward slash Linux because, you know, it is Linux Fest Northwest after all. But it should be really interesting. Anytime we do these Linux Fests, we end up seeing so many of our shirts and so many supporters and fans and we'd really like to see you there if you're local um you know a lot of our guests have been from seattle so mm -hmm. <laughs> i wouldn't be surprised if we if we got to see some of those people but um yeah go over to teespring.com forward slash linux and support our venture to linux fest northwest this year and we got started with our interview today by asking karen to kind of tell us about her role right now Um, what I'm doing right now is I'm working for a very small tech startup in Seattle called Stateless Networks. And uh, we're working on um, some network administration tools, kind of trying to take network administration tools into use for the current generation. So so what does a, what does a day in that look like for you? So you're doing something um, 
for network design, um, does that mean you're like drawing wire diagrams for how people plug Cat5 cables together? Or what, what kind of stuff is that? Kind of. So um, we're working on, so I, if, if anybody who's listening is familiar with any kind of network administration tool, they tend to look really super outdated, like from the Windows 3.1 era of graphic design. <laughs> and uh, so like, are they really text heavy? They require, you know, terminal windows open and stuff like that. And so, yeah, what we're trying to do is we're trying to provide a more visual method of working with your network. If you're a network administrator, or even if you're not a network administrator, um, if you're somebody who works at a company and you have to deal with the network at all, we want to make it more user friendly. So Stateless Networks is about eight people. Uh, there's about six of us in Seattle. And what we're trying to do is make it um, much easier for people who are network administrators or sometimes not even network administrators who have to work with a network being able to do that. So yeah, when you say that, uh, like am I drawing wire diagrams of people plugging Cat5 cables in, that's kind of what we're doing. We're actually trying to show you a visual diagram of your network and letting you interact with that visual diagram in a way that is has a nice user experience um, and is much easier to use than the current batch of tools that are out there. Very cool. Yeah, I've, I've had some experience with that. I came out of um, sound design and theater, and that was something that we had a lot of tools for, was actually drawing like these digital wire diagrams for how to wire a theater together for oh, sound. Oh, nice. But, but when I moved over to computers, yeah, there wasn't, there weren't tools that made me do that. It was always a pain in the butt to actually try to put it together. It was very much, yeah, you're, like you're saying, the terminal tools still. Web 90s is alive. Exactly. So we're trying to kind of take the tools out of that era and bring them up into modern web standards. So, so how do you do that as a UX designer? Like, is that something, are you in Photoshop all day long or how are you, like, are you interacting directly with developers? What does that process look like? So it's a little bit of everything, which is why the job is so fun. Um, usually what I'm, I'm doing is a good portion of my day is often spent um, in my sketchbook because I like to lay a good solid foundation um, of sketching before I get into anything that involves Photoshop mockups. I sketch out ideas, I do storyboarding via Sketchwork to kind of um, take a use case, you know, like, hey, I'm a network administrator and I want to search for um, this node to the, the path from this node to, the, to this node or something like that. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, as the user experience designer, I'm going to sketch out all the ideas I've got for displaying that information in a good, clean way and what kind of interactions are actually going to happen. Like I need to decide, is this person going to be doing a query in a search box or are they going to be looking around their network and tapping on things to find info? Both options might be viable. And so... Um, I start off with my sketchbook and I sketch as much as I can, um, thinking just basically using sketching as a thinking process. And then I will take those sketches and usually coalesce them into something like a storyboard where I've got some good ideas that have fallen out of that sketch process. And I um, put them together to a storyboard that demonstrates like what I'm thinking might be the flow and interaction for this particular thing that I'm, I'm this use case I'm trying to demonstrate. And then once I've got that, I'll usually run those sketches um, by people if they're, if they're really rough and I'm not really sure if I'm correct in the direction I'm going in because I'm not a network person. So I usually have to check with people in the office who are the network people, which are some of our engineers. And I'll usually run these sketches by them and say, hey, does this seem like the right um, path? If you were, uh, you know, working with the network, would you do this? And then they'll give me feedback on that. And I'll iterate on those sketches if I need to. Or I might then go into Photoshop or Illustrator and start actually doing um, mock-ups or wireframes. 
And when I get to that stage, I am usually working heavily in Photoshop or in Illustrator or in Sketch sometimes. It really just depends on what it is I'm trying to do. I pick the tool that's most appropriate um, for what I'm doing. And I create some mock-ups that I can then string together into a really rudimentary prototype. And so I'll take, uh, I have a tool that I really like called Envision. Um, I really write, I don't have any affiliation with them. I just really like the tool. It's a really great um, simple prototyping tool where you take screens that you've mocked up and string them together with hotspots to demonstrate flow and basic interactivity. So I'll do that in order to get a sense for whether or not tapping through these things or interacting with these things in a simple way actually makes sense. And then I'll usually hand that off to some people and say, hey, you know, give this a try. You're in, I'll give them a basic task and say, hey, you're, you're trying to search for something or you want to get information about this particular thing that you're looking at on the network. Give that a try and tell me what you think. So it lets me get some feedback from people after that I've built a really simple prototype. And so who's your customer? Because I used to work in uh, IT consulting and mm -hmm. we'd have to diagram networks all the time. Are you going for small businesses like IT consulting agencies, or are you going to big companies? We have a variety of customers we're looking at, which I think our CEO wants to keep secret. Oh, okay, sure. <laughs> so I can't talk too much okay. about that. <laughs> but fine. yeah, we have a variety of people from big and uh, from mostly people who have large scale networks. Mm -hmm. Okay. So especially with the fact that you're talking about starting on paper with with um, sketching, I'm guessing mm -hmm. that you're you may have some background that's non-technical. Like, how did you end up in such a highly technical field as, like, you know, designing a product for network administrators um, from from someone who sounds like you have some sort of other background? So it's really funny. I don't have a background at all related to design or anything. I actually started uh, my adult life out as an astrophysicist, <laughs> which has nothing to do with network administration or design. Yeah, wow, that's um, out of left field. Yeah. yeah, it's completely out of left field. Um, yeah, I just had always been interested in uh, design and I had a variety of hobbies outside of what I was doing as an astrophysics student. I was doing astrophysics research and going on to get my PhD and um, I actually um, got heavily involved in the video game industry. And I was doing some writing and some graphic design for them when I got offered a job to do, um, to basically run um, websites um, for this company called GameSpy uh, and to run their biggest website which was Planet Quake. Um, for the game Quake back in the 90s, and which I played a lot of, and <laughs> I was a huge addict. And so um, I, uh, I, at the same time as I got this job offer, it was really weird. The funding for our research ran out. Um, uh, there was a mass exodus of professors from the university I was at. It was as if the university was saying, you just need to go take this job for a while. So I um, ended up working for GameSpy uh, for a couple of years. And um, started out running Planet Quake, then became their action genre um, network producer. So I was working with developers and writers on um, providing content and updates for um, a lot of their game-focused websites. So gradually that transitioned into a career where I worked um, directly in the game development industry for uh, Activision as a publisher. And then... Raven Software as a an actual developer where I, I transitioned from doing things like graphic design, which had been a hobby of mine, into user interface design, where I worked on Quake 4. That was the first game I did UI design for. And from there, it's been it's been about 10 years since then. I've been um, I had just until a few months ago when I joined Stateless, I had actually been a user interface and user experience designer for video games. So I had worked on like Quake 4 and um, a bunch of other titles, and then I gradually moved into 
mobile uh, free-to-play games. I was just uh, working at Z2 up until last year when I, I got contacted by Stateless. And so really my background is completely <laughs> nowhere related to design and technical stuff. And doing network administration, you would think, oh, you know, you should probably have a background in networking, right, before you do this. But in actuality, um, the uh, CEO of our company actually was really interested in having people who came from the world of gaming to do what we're doing. I actually work with two other people I used to work uh, with in the gaming industry at this company. And it's our gaming experience that makes us valuable to the company because the way we're sort of approaching the user experience of interacting with your network is a lot like interacting with user interfaces in games and large-scale um, multiplayer networks. Yeah. I mean, I think in, in any line of work, the closer that we can get it to feel like play, mm -hmm. the yep. better off we are. Definitely. Exactly. That's that's part of our goal is the user experience should be enjoyable. It should be something that feels rewarding to do rather than tedious. So that's a pretty crazy background story. Are there, do you feel like there were points in there where you were really struggling because you have kind of a, you know, especially compared to a lot of people who are in these fields, like a non-traditional thing? I think, I guess, gaming, like, and could you speak to this? Because I only have friends who are in the gaming industry. Like, is 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 there a typical path in the gaming industry or did you actually feel at home because there's no typical path? Like nobody goes to school and gets their PhD in gaming. That's a really interesting question. It, there's a little bit of both. In some sense, you're absolutely correct. There has never been a traditional path in gaming. Um, and so most everyone I worked with came to it from really out of, you know, out of the blue fields. But the thing is, as a user interface designer, there is almost an established way to get there. And I did not follow it. So in some sense, within my field, I was the outlier. Um, my husband, for instance, was also a UI designer um, for a while. Uh, at uh, We actually worked at a couple of the same companies. And he does come from a traditional background of illustration and graphic design. He went to school for graphic design. Most people who get into UI design in games come from a graphic design background or some kind of web design background. And I didn't. I was self-taught. So I did have a lot of that self-consciousness about having done this as a hobby and learning and teaching myself along the way. And and as a result, I, I kind of have a, my personality is the type that when I become drawn to something and I really want to learn it, I'll just dive into it and think, oh, I don't know nearly enough about this as I should. And so I'll really dive into it to try to make up for those deficiencies. And so I just kind of threw myself into learning everything I could about proper UI design and absorbing everything I could from the people around me that I admired who were doing it and who were doing good graphic design. And that's kind of how, that was my, that was the way I learned. What do, you, what do you think was like the most valuable part of that process for you? Like, was it a certain type of school or books or mentors or like what, what about it made the journey possible for you? I think what made the journey possible for me was when I started actually branching, when I was in the game industry and I started looking outside of the game industry for inspiration, that was really the moment where my career as a user experience designer took off because up until then, um, I was a UI designer, uh, called pretty much a UI designer, and the game industry kind of has this... Um, Everybody in the game industry has a different definition for what you do as a UI designer. Sometimes they'll call you a UI artist. Sometimes they'll call you a UI designer. And I was a, a hybrid of technical and art. I am actually mostly a technical person. I like to do scripting and programming whenever I can. And so my actual artistic level of my skill is kind of low. And uh, 
so a lot of times I would get hired by companies who were looking for this sort of weird unicorn person who could do both technical stuff and art stuff. If you paired me up with a really good artist, then we made a really good UI team. And the problem with this is that um, there wasn't much um, for me, there, there, it was hard for me to learn from other people because it was often the only UI designer at the companies that I worked at. And for me, I really love being surrounded by people who are better than me at what I do <laughs> because I really like learning from other people. And so uh, I, I had such a hard time like finding myself in that position. And I realized that every time a company would talk to me about what I did and I described it to them, They'd say, so you're like a UI artist, but you also do programming and design? I'm like, kind of, yeah. And when I looked outside of the industry at um, the way, say, the web industry or um, people who make mobile apps do things, there was this field I'd never heard of before called user experience designer. And when I read about it, I was like, oh, my God, that's what I do. Like, I didn't realize it. I'm not really a UI artist. I'm actually a UX designer. And when I did that, I realized that there were a host of techniques and all these different methodologies that people outside of games were using to improve their interfaces. And I thought, I'm going to do that because I didn't really have a formalized process. I just had sort of a hodgepodge process that I developed over time. And when I started researching what it is that user experience designers did outside of the game industry, I brought those techniques into what I was doing and it just immeasurably improved, um, I think, the, the way that people were perceiving the interfaces I was working on, getting data, making them better. So that's where I think where things really jumped for me. That's great. Now, I was on your Twitter page and... It appears that you might have a knitting app. Oh, I'm actually working. I don't have an app yet. It's a thing that I'm kind of working on. I don't have much free time right now. I have a three-year-old and also another kid on the way in, the, in a month. So, oh wow. Um, so you know, in my prodigious spare time, um, I, I'm trying to kind of use this concept of a knitting app to um, almost to just kind of improve my UX design skills outside of what I do. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, I've as a knitter, I've been a longtime knitter for over 20 years and I spin my own yarn as well. And it seems like a lot of the knitting apps that are out there, I've looked at them and I thought, you know, this they can be better. And so I thought, well, I'm a user experience designer. I should use my skills to try and make one and see because um, I really do love to get into like actual app design and actually creating my own app. So it was a chance to try and do that. So I started basically using my own UX um, methodologies to try and build one. And I'm at the point where I need to actually prototype a paper prototype of it with a large knitting group. And so I need to go find one and take a prototype and have them test it. Oh, very cool. Have you um, joined Meetup by chance? I have, and I, I just haven't had a chance. To, there's a lot of knitting groups on there, and I just haven't had a chance to like get myself together, get all the stuff I need together, and figure out what the best um, uh, use te uh, the test is, and then and then find mm -hmm. the group that will let me come and spring it on them. <laughs> right, right. Are you going to continue to blog about the process? Absolutely, yeah. I think it's a really good um, thing to blog about because uh, it's a lot of people ask me like, well, what are these processes that you use? And so doing my blog articles about it is, a, is a, I think, a really great way to get that out there. Yeah, so if the listeners want to check it out, it is on uh, Karen's website and we'll have a link for that in the show notes. Yep. Yeah. So Karen, um, this has been fantastic. I think your journey is really interesting and really awesome to hear. It's great to talk to someone in gaming and, you know, I'd love to have you back at some point to talk more in depth about some of that experience. Um, but we're running long for today. And so just one final question. I'd just like to, well, two questions, rapid fire. Um, so uh -huh. what tools are actually in your stack? Just kind of real quick. You've mentioned a whole bunch throughout the interview, but like, what do you use on a day-to-day -day basis? 
On a day-to-day -day basis, I use my Sketchpad, lots of markers and pens. I use Envision, uh, EnvisionApp.com is the other tool, and Photoshop and Illustrator. What gets you fired up about tech right now? What are you excited about that's either coming down the pipe or that's kind of keeping you up at night thinking about it? Uh, VR. I got a chance to try out some virtual reality stuff uh, recently, and it's really exciting, and I really want to try it out some more. Thank you for listening to Women's Tech Radio. You can see the show notes over at jupiterbroadcasting.com or you can email us wtr at jupiterbroadcasting.com. You can also find us on Twitter at heywtr. Check us out on Tumblr at heywtr.tumblr.com and also find us on iTunes. And if you have a moment, help support the show by leaving a, a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. It helps us reach more women and get the word out about how awesome we can have it in technology.